come down to the little garden with me. Come go with me. Come go and see. This is SGV Weekly, the stories of the 626 and the people who call it home. My name is Chris Greenspawn. Are you still the same? That's our theme song, Carry Home by The Gun Club. It's the demo version from the new double disc of Miami on Blixa Sounds. I didn't choose it, actually. My sister did. But it sums up what I want the show to be. Stories about people who've made a challenging commitment, anchored by their roots in the San Gabriel Valley. Even if they don't live here anymore. Or even if they've passed on entirely. Like Jeffrey Lee Pierce, who wrote Carry Home. Pierce spent his early years in South El Monte, a happy Mexican white kid with an innate desire to be someone else. And that's been enough for us SGV music lovers to claim him as our own, though he spent most of his short life traveling around the world. But his biggest fan knew him since his South El Monte days. If he was doing a show and he had a guest list, he would always make me wait outside and take my name off the guest list because he knew he could get me in because he knew that the security wouldn't, like, say no to a sister. That's Jackie Pierce. She manages Jeffrey's estate from her home in Spokane. My sister and I drove up through rain in Oregon and waterfalls in Washington to meet her by the Idaho border. Jackie told us about growing up with Jeffrey Lee and her commitment to preserve her brother's music. I'm Chris Greenspawn, This is a road trip edition of SGV Weekly. Here's some local news around the San Gabriel Valley. Southern California News Group reports Pasadena restaurants will be allowed to provide outdoor dining, but only to members of the same household. The rule is in effect until December 20th, and owners are grateful, but not sure how they can enforce it. Officials say it's essentially the honor system. Meanwhile, the city is cracking down on large gatherings. It's estimated one in 145 people are infected with COVID-19. The Tribune reports West Covina City Council wants to imitate Pasadena's approach and form a regional health department with neighboring cities. The point is to keep restaurants open and get kids back in school. On Tuesday night, the council voted to send a symbolic request that the outdoor dining ban be lifted. But in the same meeting, they decided to ask Governor Newsom not to suspend sales tax on small businesses. One day after the meeting, L.A. County reported a new daily high of almost 6,000 cases on Wednesday. The Pasadena Star reports West Covina is nearly bankrupt. State auditors say the city has been living off its rainy day fund for years, and city council announced it was in a fiscal emergency in May. The audit found that West Covina paid a higher than average share of its employees' health care premiums. The city will slash those benefits by 10%, and it refinanced its pension debts earlier this year. But 77% of the budget is still going to the police and fire departments, which received 12% raises in January. Mayor Wu blamed previous leadership for the city's woes and vowed to turn it all around. And SGV Weekly congratulates the newest member of the Hacienda La Puente Unified School Board, Christine Salazar. Salazar ran a grassroots campaign for the vacant board seat of Area 3 against former district employee Rudy Chavarria. The district was forced to put this seat and one in Belinda on the ballot by a lawsuit from Juntos Podemos. 
Salazar's platform is transparent board decision-making and parental inclusion for the long-neglected area that lies around Hacienda Boulevard between the 60 and Amar. She'll be sworn in on December 15th. When we return, we'll hear memories of South El Monte. It's a look at Jeffrey Lee Pierce's SGV roots with the one and only Jackie Pierce. SGV Weekly is supported by Callback Yesterday, a new podcast in which John Raby explores somewhere in time, love, loss, memory, nostalgia, Mackinac Island, and time travel. If you're a secret fan of the movie, which turns 40 this year, own a time machine shaped like a book, and still talk to your dead loved ones, maybe this is the podcast for you. Call back yesterday with John Raby. John urges you to support SGV Weekly with a generous donation, like he did. Does your Instagram feed need more than thirst traps and cheese pools? Follow SGV Weekly for interview clips with everyday people and pictures of the rowdiest cars in the 626. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Rate and review the show to help us get it out there and make a better program for the San Gabriel Valley. Visit sgvweekly.com for expanded content from each episode and a link to our Patreon. Give if you can and support citizen journalism. Thanks. Now back to SGV Weekly. The Gun Club began as a punk blues fusion called The Creeping Ritual. The band's singer, songwriter, and often guitarist Jeffrey Lee Pierce made six albums under the Gun Club name. From 1981 to 93, their sound expanded, the band changed members, and continents. They weren't very big in L.A. back then. Now they're world-famous, Los Angeles royalty, and in the pop culture desert of the San Gabriel Valley, where he hailed from, Jeffrey is a saint. But to Jackie Pierce, that was her older brother. Right before he died, he actually asked me, Jackie, will you take care of my music? And at the time, it was very painful because he was dying. But at the same time, you know, like I wanted to help him. So it's kind of my fire of love story. You know, I'm still helping my brother even after he's been long gone. Jeffrey passed away on March 31st, 1996 at 37 years old. At this point, his sister was left with a music mess as far as contracts go. There was just so much going on with my brother's music where it seemed like a free-for-all. People were just putting out bootlegs and throwing stuff around and promoting my brother's music with what they thought was right. In 2007, Jackie and her husband, Johnny Ferretra, began Creeping Ritual Productions to release Jeffrey's work as it was intended. It's taken a while to bring it all together under one roof. But we've just tried to maintain gun club music and keep it rolling, keep it for the people, because it belongs to the fans. But having the connection with the family or something of Jeffrey, I think is important for people to have the real story. This is the story of Jeffrey Lee Pierce as his sister Jackie knew him and how they remain bonded together through music. There are a lot of misconceptions about the life of Jeffrey Lee Pierce. Some of it has to do with things like which records Kid Congo plays on, and some of it has to do with where he was from. Like some people used to say that he was born in Texas, 
which is not true. He was born in Montebello, California. And as Jackie and Johnny revealed, a lot of it has to do with how Jeffrey represented himself. And I forget where it is, but there is an interview with him and it came from his mouth that he was born in Texas. And I don't know why he did that. Maybe he was inspired by his mother's background. My mom was born in Texas and then moved to California when she was little. So as she grew up, she spoke Spanish first and then later on learned English. So we grew up with a big influence of Latino culture. However, my mom wanted us to speak English she didn't want us to go through hard times with kids when they, they don't know how to speak English in school. And Their mother, Margie, went to Garfield High School in East L.A. and married young to Robert Pierce, an organizer for the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers in El Monte. Initially, she stayed home with the kids in South El Monte. Later on, she wanted to work. She got a job working in Century City doing manicures. That's where I learned from her. And she started getting out in the world and wanting to learn new things. She didn't want to stay just doing the same old thing. My mom liked the limelight. She liked glamour. And her clients were fairly wealthy and some were celebrities. And she would get invited to Las Vegas. So when other kids were going camping, we were going to Las Vegas and doing dinner shows, seeing Don Rickles and Sandy Duncan and having these beautiful dinners that were all paid for. I mean, we didn't grow up like some kids, you know, where you were outside all the time. I mean, we would ride our bikes, but we were mostly indoor, dancing, playing music. Jeffrey loved performing from an early age. He was short and chunky with straight brown hair and heavy cheeks. Jackie says he was pretty strong-headed and just did what he wanted to do. My dad wasn't really musical. My dad was more of a sports guy. Jeffrey wasn't sports-oriented at all. He was more of a musician because he started playing guitar when he was 10. My mom took him for a few lessons, but at the same time, he mostly learned from ear and I would hang out with him in his bedroom sometimes and we'd play Black Sabbath records and Jimi Hendrix. He loved Jimi Hendrix. And he tried to, like, do those crazy riffs, you know. So he would wake up in the morning and he would, like, practice in the kitchen. And to see if you were listening, he would kind of test you out if you would recognize the song. And we would just crack up like that. Home was down the street from Dean Shively Middle School. Jeffrey went there in 1972. Jackie says they briefly attended Violindo Continuation School after that. South El Monte was still a pretty new city. It didn't have its own school district yet. And the Pierce kids did not fit in. It was hard for us because, you know, we were half Mexican. We weren't all Mexican. And there were gangs down there at that time, you know. And so if you didn't look Mexican, sometimes you get called out and they'd pick on him. And sometimes he'd get in fights. We both did. And so my parents at that time thought maybe it was a good idea to get out and leave East L.A. and move to the Valley so that we would go to a better school and stuff like that. So we did. And Valley life was very different. My brother went off to Granada Hills High School and I went to John F. Kennedy. So we were separated. 
but Jeffrey really got into the drama school at that time and was actually a really good actor. He graduated in 76. Their parents were about to split up. Jeffrey wanted to be someone else. So the punk explosion came at the perfect time. He had already been creating aliases, Chili Conchola, Kimiko Okamura, and now he was ranking Jeffrey Lee, who wrote reggae reviews and nearly died on a trip to Jamaica. Well, before you know it, he's doing an interview with Bob Marley at my mom's apartment in West L.A. So I pull up, and there's a friggin' bus in front of the apartment building. All these people are coming in my mom's place. My mom's at work. And Bob Marley, big old massive spliff, lighting up, house reeked of marijuana, all kinds of people in there. And Jeffrey's doing the interview, and it came out in Slash Magazine. It was huge. But he would do stuff like that, you know? And when he got into something, he was into it completely, solely, 100%. Next, he got knee-deep into pre-war blues, but he had bleached hair and cowgirl boots. Hollywood was probably the only place for him. He met a young gay guy from La Puente who didn't seem to mind him, though. His name was Brian Tristan. He would later be renamed Kid Congo Powers by the Cramps. Jeffrey coerced him into playing guitar so they could start a band called The Creeping Ritual. He wanted, to, he looked into your, figured out what, how much talent you had. And if you didn't think that you'd have any, he could pull it out of you. Because he would kind of home in and say, oh, no, you could do this. You could do this. Hand you a guitar, a microphone, sing. Shut that up, shut that up. Jeffrey changed the name to The Gun Club, which he thought sounded creepier, and pretty quickly the entire band bailed and was replaced. They recorded an album called Fire of Love, which only the hippest hipsters in L.A. at the time liked. It is somehow appropriate that Gun Club should talk with nonplus in the backseat of a car. Terry Graham, Ward Dotson, Rob Ritter, and the controversial Jeffrey Lee Pierce have recently taken major steps toward recognition, but they remain as firmly rooted in their L.A. background as in the Bayou Blues that spawned the gun club. The only other band that's in the same category as us is the Blasters. But the the biggest difference is between us and the Blasters like, is they do it straight mm. and we fuck it up completely. We don't have the attitude is so different that we're nothing like mm. them. That's Jeffrey being interviewed for the cassette zine Nonplus in 1982. The band mostly just talks shit about New York because Fire of Love got some good press on the East Coast. And they were working with Chris Stein from Blondie on a second album called Miami. Jeffrey was a Blondie fan club president. So he was infatuated with her, in love with her in his own funny way. He hung out at the Ramada Inn on Santa Monica Boulevard when they played L.A., and he waited for them for hours to come back from the gig, you know, and he was there. He was just a mad fan, and he wouldn't leave. So I think Debbie, from what I remember, she felt sorry for him. So she said, you know, here's a guy, and he started talking, and I guess he hit it off with them and Christine. And then they started collaborating with music, and Jeffrey went to New York 
to record this record. And it's very different than Fire of Love. It's got blues in it as well, but it's got some backing vocals with Debbie, and it's just Jeffrey experimenting with a really brilliant mind like Chris. He's dead on the lawn of the house of your What will they say about him? And then that lineup of the Gun Club unraveled after Miami was recorded. Jeff apparently tried to skip out on the last leg of a European tour. Another band was put together, and the music was getting fans internationally, which got Jackie a husband. So did you two meet through Gun Club? Uh, indirectly, yes. We met at a um, club in Los Angeles, but it was a Bruce Springsteen night. And we knew the DJ's sister, and... I was traveling with my brother and a very good friend of mine. We were just backpacking across the States. And I believe the girl that we knew actually was trying to set Jackie up on a blind date with my friend. However, we got talking, and I was a fan before I knew Jackie, and from England. And she said, Jeffrey Pierce is my brother. And I'm like, that is the best pickup line I've ever heard in my life. I didn't believe it for one second. I thought, wow, that's good. And she said, oh, he's playing next week at the club lingerie. Do you want to go? And I went, oh, my God, she's serious. And sure enough, two weeks later, we got a date at a gun club gig in Club Lingerie on Sunset Boulevard. And I'm like, wow. And we just had a love of music. And we had a lot in common. And here we are. By 1984, the gun club had a very solid lineup with La Puente's Kid Congo back from the cramps. Patricia Morrison, a Whittier native who played in the bags, and Texas Terry Graham from the Fire of Love lineup somehow pulled back in. They recorded the Las Vegas story and played gigantic tours in Europe. Jackie was emboldened and started traveling too. I was in Paris with Jeffrey. Oh, no, you did go to a show. And I, I saw a gun club show, and it was a really wild night because it was in the Forum de Al, and we were all dressed up in all our Gun Club here, our Elvis from Hell Gear, and the French loved it. And Jeffrey let me sit up on stage with him, and we got so drunk that night, and we made his girlfriend very upset because we played Prince over and over and over and over, to the point it was really sickening. <laughs> You know, because you just flip the tape over and put it back in, you know. And I think we were staying in Pigalle, which is like where the strip clubs are in Paris. But there was this church that the bell kept going off every on the hour. And we were trying to sleep in because we'd been up all night. And we had to get up, but we were so messed up the next day. But that was that was an evening to remember. <laughs> that band broke up. Jeff put together the Mother Juno lineup after trying to play solo. It brought even more touring, recording in Berlin, stints in Japan. Jackie says the first thing he would do every time he came back to LA was get a bean and cheese burrito. It was part of his upbringing and maybe the most enduring connection to his childhood in El Monte. But you couldn't tie him down. 
He was already rambling Jeffrey Lee by this point. Literally, in 1992, he put out a straight blues album as rambling Jeffrey Lee. He would come home, he would hang out, it'd be cool for a while. We'd go up to Tower Records, we'd do some shopping, we'd spend Christmas together. He'd play his NWA records and then my mom would get mad and then he said, okay, I'm going back on the road. Gun Club had run through a lot of members who had put up with erratic behavior because the music was that good. But it still wasn't successful and they often blamed Jeffrey. There were two more albums, Pastoral Hide and Seek and Lucky Jim, and then by 1994, the band was finished again. After relentless touring and partying, he had cirrhosis. He had to try to settle down and recover. He kept himself busy writing his autobiography, which Jackie now sells from home. Jeffrey had so many personalities, it was really hard to get to know Jeffrey personally. Like when he was just being Jeffrey and that would be probably when he was being quiet and kind of not too chatty, reading his book, playing guitar, watching his favorite movies. For yourself personally, can you quantify that there was to the quiet person? You know, because I think a lot of people, they they think of Jeffrey Lee Pierce for being like the, the brash stage personality, either that or, the, you know, the beautiful lyricist. He had a real quiet, sensitive side. And if he thought that you were kind of a calm, sort of maybe not too strong person, and he really liked you, especially for the ladies, he would be very sensitive and very quiet. And and he would be very polite because he would want to help you. There are too many musicians to count who say they saw Jeffrey before his death. Jackie and Johnny said he only had a few friends who were really trying to help him, though. When he got so sick, a lot of people turned away. It was very painful to watch it, where someone so popular, so in the limelight, all of a sudden, when he started declining, people kind of didn't have the patience for him. But he lived it his way. And I think... He was very bold and aggressive about how he wanted to do things. He would just go do it. Also, some people may not know, but he was actually completely clean and sober when he passed away for two or three months. Yeah, he had a brain hemorrhage in Utah at my dad's house. And he was clean and sober, and he was actually just had his passport together because he was going to go put the band back together, and he was going to go back on tour. But that was the end in 1996. Preserving Jeffrey's music, put out under Ruby, Animal, Red Rhino, New Rose, and What's So Funny About, defunct record labels all in different parts of the world, became Jackie's cause for the rest of her life. It's like, you know, when you get one of those puzzles that has, like, Five or 6,000 pieces. And there's like about 100 pieces missing. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's just time-consuming, but it's trying to just find these people who say they own the stuff and not being able to find anyone and not having anyone come forth. You know, it's taken a long time. Now, with a decade-plus experience under their belts, they're bringing out something they've sat on for 24 years— the Miami double disc. It's still the night I walk with a beat. 
when my brother passed away, Chris Stein actually gave me the master tapes as a gift. And then I took them home and didn't know what to do with them because they were the big reels. I mean, I'm talking the biggest parcel you'll get in your lifetime. It was huge. So when it came, Johnny and I, my husband, we took it to get it baked and transferred to a digital format or DAT tape. And even DAT's old now because so, I'm old. And so um, it's been out through different labels, but now it's coming out through Blixa Sounds. The Manifesto guys are doing it, and it's got the demos from the masters, which are kind of rough takes, but it's just very cool. Thanks to Jackie Pierce, Johnny Ferretra, Dan Perloff at Manifesto Records, and Rita Greenspawn for traveling 3,000 miles with me to record this. I have to admit, I was hoping to hear more about Jeffrey Lee Pierce's life in the San Gabriel Valley, but from someone who was constantly remaking their own identity, at least we have this. My brother's first job ever in high school, he was working for a May company. So, Jeffrey Lee Pierce, name tag, going, setting up things in certain departments. But then in these certain departments, things were going wrong. Because there was another guy with a tag saying Chili Conchola, which was the same person. It was Jeffrey, because he had two tags. When things would go wrong, it was Chili's fault. But Jeffrey was the cool guy. So it didn't last long until they figured it out. But I actually kept the name tag from May Company. But that was a job Jeffrey had that just went goodbye. Come down to... Thanks for listening. You can find the links to buy the Miami Double Disc and Jeffrey Lee Pierce's biography at sgvweekly.com. Our theme song is Carry Home by The Gun Club, courtesy of Manifesto Records. Our logo is by Felipe Flores. I'm Chris Greenspawn. This is SGV Weekly. So carry home. I have returned through so many highways and so many tears. Yeah.